Hello, hello. Can everybody at the back hear okay? Yes? Good, good, good. Hi, hi at the back. Silhouettes at the back. <laughs> Don't know who you are. Waving hands. Okay, so at the moment here at Revelation Church, we're doing a series on the Beatitudes, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. I used to call them the Beautitudes for ages. <laughs> until my wife pointed out that I was missing a letter, the Beatitudes. Um, We are at um, number six this week, which is, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What an amazing promise, and uh, there's a lot in here. So we're going to look at this passage. I'll I'll kind of dissect the different parts just for us to understand what it means, and then as a whole, understand uh, what the message is that Jesus is giving here. So um, the Sermon on the Mount was given by Jesus. He he had a multitude of people in front of him, and really we're interpreting these Beatitudes as a description of what the um, spirit-filled believer should look like. Um, And they present to us a real radical challenge um, to look at our own lives and to see what it should look like. Um, from Jesus' perspective, which I would argue is probably the best perspective to have as to what our lives should look like. Um, I was given some books to help prepare for this, um, which I was reading. I was away from the UK this week with work and studying in the evenings in a hotel. And the, the first book I picked up started like this. We now come to what is undoubtedly one of the greatest utterances to be found anywhere in the whole realm of Holy Scripture. That filled me with encouragement. <laughs> Anyone who realises even something of the meaning of the words, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, can approach them only with a sense of awe and of complete inadequacy. (laughs) So then I started my reading based on that. Um, So we are approaching this um, section of the Bible with awe and uh, inadequacy, but I hope that I am able to um, translate some of which... I feel the Holy Spirit is talking to us about today. It's great to see so many visitors because this morning when I was praying about this, um, God gave me a few words for people that I felt were for for visitors as well. So um, it should be good for you to be here. It's very timely and it certainly is no coincidence. So you are more than welcome here and I'm glad to be sharing this with you. Um, So let's pray first of all and then we'll get into this. Lord Jesus, we just ask you to be here with us. We ask for your wisdom for your understanding. Um, I pray that you might really help us to um, have soft hearts towards you and your word um, today, Lord. I pray that um, ears would be open to hear words today, Lord, that our hearts would be willing to receive what your Holy Spirit has to say. And um, Lord, I just welcome you by your Holy Spirit just to rest upon people right now, um, just to bring your comfort and your closeness And I pray that um, you would just use me to speak today. We just commit this to you, Lord, in your precious name. Amen. Okay, so this um, passage is about the heart. And the heart is mentioned an awful lot in Scripture. Um, And when Jesus and when the Bible speaks of the heart, it goes far beyond just the, the organ that pumps blood around our body. The heart, in biblical terms, we can understand as the center of who we are, the core of our personality, it includes our will, our emotions, our feelings, our intellect, um, all of these things wrapped up together biblically um, are the heart. In Proverbs, there's a lot spoken about the condition of the heart. We're told in Proverbs 4 that the heart, told to keep our hearts with all um, vigilance, for out it flow the springs of life. Um, And the Bible often talks that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
and the heart um, captures who we are. Proverbs 27 says, As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. And so when Jesus is talking about blessed are the pure in heart, he's talking about your attitude, the way that you conduct yourself, the way that you live your lives, the thoughts that you have in in your minds, the actions that you do, it is everything. And uh, so it's quite a tall order here when we're talking about blessed are the pure in heart, because it's pretty much the centre and the core of who you are. Jesus was very concerned about matters of the heart, um, and rightly so, because he came, a lot of the time he was speaking to the Pharisees, and he wanted to speak to them about their attitudes of the heart, because the Pharisees of the time were very concerned about their outward appearance. They were concerned about being seen to be doing the right things according to the law, to be um, observing the right commands, but inside Jesus saw beyond that, and we know that God sees the heart and not just the outward appearance. And um, Jesus spoke very, very strongly against the Pharisees who were just focusing on the outward appearance and didn't really address matters of the heart. Um, Those of you that were here last week would have heard Steph mention from Matthew 23 when Jesus refers to them as um, vipers and says that they're like whitewashed tombs which on the outside appear to be clean but on the inside they're full of dead people's bones. And that's pretty harsh words from, uh, from Jesus, very, very strong words. And, uh, and he's got a, a very much a focus on dealing with the inner person um, that transforms a man. So that's the area I want to speak about today, the internal heart, the thing that really defines you. So we'll start by looking at the condition of a heart um, and what it's like in its, kind of, in its natural sense, in its inherent sense. Jeremiah tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately sick, Who can understand it? Jesus tells us in Matthew 15, What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. However, both of these, both Jesus and Jeremiah, are talking about the condition of the unregenerated heart. They're talking about the heart um, that is, as a result of sin, full of of bitterness, full of envy, full of malice. And we can see right from the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3 that when man sinned, um, uh, when man sinned, it entered his heart. And from then on, it's a constant and ongoing furtherance of sin in man's heart. Um, often people like to think of um, sinful attitudes or thoughts or desires or actions partly as a consequence of their Um, circumstance where they find themselves in, whether that's in a tough situation or circumstance or someone's dealt unjustly to them. But I I think it's worth uh, reflecting on the fact that sin entered man in paradise. In God's um, paradise where there was no sin, man still chose sin. And so when we think about um, times for ourselves, when we act according to perhaps our own desires and not God's and, uh, and, and look to the reasons why I would say that it's not due to other people, it's not due to circumstances, but it's something much deeper than that. It's due to the heart that's within us. And uh, Jeremiah describes this, that at the centre of a man lies something that is deceitful and wicked. And here lies the problem. Jesus is standing on the sermon saying, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So to me, when I read this, I kind of thought that leaves us with a few questions. Firstly, what's my heart like? Is it pure? And if it's not, will I see God? Um, Which is a worrying thought. And if it's not, then how does it become pure? What is Jesus saying here? So I want to 
um, speak to both the believer and the unbeliever here today to think about what Jesus is trying to um, get to the point here. Why is it that, um, given the condition of heart that is corrupt and deceitful, that this beatitude starts with blessed? Because blessed in this context means happy, fortunate, over, you know, exuberantly joyous, and yet we see the condition of a man's heart. Martin Lloyd-Jones um, makes this note here in, in considering the, the man's heart and the promise here. He says this, In light of the condition of the heart, is anyone prepared to say that a man can make himself a Christian? You can see God only when you are pure, pure in heart, and yet we have seen what we are by nature. It is a complete antithesis. Nothing could be further removed from God than man's heart. What the gospel proposes to do is to bring us out of the terrible pit and rises up to the heavens. It is completely supernatural. This is why Jesus is able to say, blessed are the pure in heart, because he knows full well what man's heart is like, and yet he says, there's something here that I'm offering you that can take you from the pit of man's heart to something that is absolutely supernatural and allows you to see God. And that's what I want to talk about today. If we contrast Jesus' life with... um, the life of a man with an unregenerated heart, they couldn't be far apart. We know that Jesus walked the earth completely living for his father. He says that he only did what he thought or what he heard his father telling him to do. He only said what he heard his father saying. How many of us can say that, hey? That we only say what we feel the father is saying and we only do what we feel the father is doing. Um, Jesus lived an amazing life, completely in obedience to God completely submitted to God's will. Um, Even when Jesus found it difficult, he said, not my will, but yours, Father. He was in complete submission. And uh, and so by contrast, Jesus' heart was absolutely pure. And I think here when we're talking about blessed are the pure in heart, we can only hold up Jesus as the example is to say, what what is purity in heart? He's one who lived his life blameless. Um, 1 Peter tells us that talking to us as as believers, that we were ransomed, i.e. a price was paid, from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Jesus lived his life completely sin-free. Peter goes on to say, He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. And so on the one hand, we've got Jesus here, who lived this amazingly perfect, blameless life. And then we have the condition of man's heart on the other side, which Jeremiah and Jesus describe as full of deceit and wicked. And here lies the beauty of this um, statement that Jesus is saying here. He's saying that he who lived a pure life is offering something to us, um, that we might see God. So to be pure in heart, what does it mean? Well, essentially it means to be like Jesus, which uh, for most of us is probably a little bit late to even start given that we were born into sin, um, but it also causes us to reflect on our own life. How like Jesus could it be? And therefore, how likely are we to see God? It goes um, a bit beyond just being Christ-like. Again, Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, Further, it means that we should live to the glory of God in every single aspect of our lives, and that that should be the supreme desire of our life. It means that we desire God, that we desire to know him, that we desire to love him, and that we desire to serve him. And our Lord states here that only those who are like that shall see God. 
quite a sobering thought, I think, here, that what Jesus is actually saying is that those whose lives completely orbit around God are those that shall see him. Those that can say they live for him, they desire him, they seek him, and him alone are the ones that will see God. It's an absolute single-mindedness and determinedness to seek God in all circumstances and situations. God cares about every tiny detail of our life. And what he really wants is for us to consult him and to speak with him and to be in communion with him all day long, not in pockets of time throughout the day, but to walk with him, to truly walk with him and to hear him for our lives. So where does this leave us as as a believer? So we've got Jesus living this amazing um, pure life. We've got the human condition of the heart being quite wicked. This is where the gospel comes in. This is why Jesus came to save because we needed saving from this desperate state. In Ezekiel 11, we hear this. I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put in them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, there's something amazing that goes on. He literally takes out this heart of stone and exchanges it for a heart of flesh. He takes out this heart which was very selfish, which centred around itself, which had wicked and deceitful longings and desires, and puts in instead a heart that is pure, that is true, that is sold out for the Father, that loves him and adores him and has all its desires set on him. For those of you that are believers, that has happened. That is what is in you. Your heart has been replaced You have been transformed. When you come to believe in Jesus, this amazing exchange goes on here where Ezekiel is saying that the heart of stone is removed and the heart of flesh, which is soft towards God, is replaced. However, there's a problem that still arises here because we've got this heart of flesh that Jesus has given us, but yet we're living in this body that is corrupt, um, that is destined... Um, for sin and to, to die and to, you know, not to continue. And yet we have this spirit, this spirit within us from God that um, will go on to live for eternity. And we have these two different um, desires going on. So our spirit within us is for God, totally for God. And yet it's housed within this body um, that is um, full of sinful desires still. And then we have this tension that goes on, this contest that um, I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with, where we know that something within us is for God and we have these desires and we hear these thoughts and yet it's hard to submit to that sometimes. And Paul speaks about this um, tension that goes on a lot of the time in Romans. And he says here, and I believe this is the appeal really that God wants to give us today in the context of this passage. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, so he's speaking to believers here, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves and your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. And there's something here in allowing God to um, transform our minds. So we are seeking God, we are seeking to listen to his Holy Spirit that dwells within us and we are putting to death the flesh that wars against it. And Paul is saying here to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, that means that it involves 
um, putting yourself seconds. It means putting your own desires below that of Jesus's. It means um, not doing some things which you may find yourself wanting to do because you know they're not right. And it takes a, a, a life of discipline and focus towards Jesus. It's, it's something which is extremely active. There's no passivity in following Jesus. Um, when he comes and transforms our heart, then there's this continual sense of renewing our mind and walking with him and choosing Jesus. I think a lot of the times throughout our day we have opportunities where we can choose Jesus or we can choose to listen to what we want to do. And uh, it's at that point where Paul's imploring us. And it's at that point where I think God is saying to us today, I want you to choose me. Choose me. Is living inside of us, but we still have this option at many points in our day. And uh, God is saying, choose, choose my way. Why? Well, this is what this whole um, passage is all about. Why? Because we will see more of God. And isn't that what our lives should be all about? Seeing God. Seeing God now. Seeing God in the future. Seeing God for our families. Seeing God in the gospel communities that we're going to be setting up. Seeing God for the lost. It's not actually about ourselves. It's about seeing God um, in this world. Paul goes on to speak more about this um, choosing to hear from God, choosing to obey God and choosing to submit to him and to put to death your own desires. In Galatians 5, um, a lot of you will be familiar with this, I'll just read it. In Galatians 5, he says this, I will say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, distensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and things like these. I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will will not inherit the kingdom of God. Sounds very familiar to what Jesus is saying. Blessed are the pure in heart, and only then will they see God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And I really feel that's what God is saying today. If then you live by the Spirit, please, please, please walk by the Spirit. Choose Jesus. Listen to his voice. Ask him, seek him first. Now as I was preparing this, I thought in terms of Galatians, we could focus on the life of the, uh, you know, the sinful desires and talk about some of those areas that we could um, fall, fall subject to and fall down on. Um, But I really felt God saying today that he wanted to focus on the other half of Galatians 5 and where we're looking at um, the fruit of the Spirit and what a Christian life would look like. I felt today that God really wanted to encourage us to see what life could be like should we choose to seek him and say yes to him more often. As I was preparing this, um, I felt there were a few different categories of people that God wanted to speak to today about the amount to which and the extent to which you are currently saying yes to God and saying no to yourself. Um, 
So, and this I particularly felt was for some, some visitors for today. So there's four groups of people that I wanted to, to speak to. And just as a source of encouragement as well, this morning, again, when I was just praying, I got a text from Steph and um, Esther. Some of you may or may not know her. It's a, a lady who's part of our church, and at the moment she's in Central Asia um, following the call of God on her life. She texted this morning and said, I've just been praying for the church, and I had a real sense that the Lord wants to soften and melt hearts today. Um, when you meet and uh, I thought that was just incredible that you know way over the other side of the world Esther's been praying I'm really feeling this is what God wants to do and so and and this is the crux of what I believe Jesus is saying today that um, to the believers I really want you to to soften your hearts I really want you to think about um, the balance to which you are saying yes to him and crucifying and saying no to other desires that you just know aren't what you should be doing. So four different groups of people I wanted to speak to today. Um, the first group of people I felt the Lord saying was, um, so there's some people here who know Jesus, who've said yes to him, who have um, felt the amazing transformation um, of accepting Jesus in their life, and that uh, you know that when you said yes to believing in Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, he exchanged your heart of stone and instead put in a heart of flesh. And yet, um, from there onwards, it's been pretty stagnant. And uh, the, the, the fuller result of that transformation hasn't come about. And I really felt God encouraging people here today, um, those of you that have said yes to God initially, and yet your life has um, remained largely unchanged. And uh, if we truly understand this amazing gift that God's given us, where he exchanges our heart, it's a continual transformation where we should see our lives looking more and more and more like Jesus, um, where we get to the point where, as Jesus did, only said and did according to his Father. And I believe that's the, the journey that uh, the Lord really wants to encourage us on today, to, to really be honest with ourselves as to how much we are on that path of uh, you know, continual transformation to be like Jesus. And so for those people who've said an initial yes and not really seen much change, the call today is really to get back on it, to um, realise what your life is looking like. Um, it's fantastic that you've come to know Jesus, but there's a lot more for you than that. There's a lot more for your lives, and there's a lot more he would like to do with your hearts. And if you feel that um, you know, you're at all stagnant, and uh, one way to recognise this is where you're looking back on good times with Jesus, and you're thinking, I wish... I wish it was like that again. I wish I had times like that when I heard him. I wish I had times like that when I used to feel God as much as I did then. If that's you, um, then after this, I'd really like to, to pray with that group of people. The second group of people I felt God speaking to me about was um, those who he wanted to really transform your minds to dare to believe. Um, I felt God saying that there's people here who know the promises of God from an intellectual basis, but here Jesus is really speaking to their heart. Um, it includes the intellect, but it's, it includes our emotions and our will and our whole being. And I felt God saying that there's people here that know things to be true, but yet they can't quite believe them for themselves. And they haven't quite dared to believe that God actually can, that God can heal, that God can transform, that God can lift you up from that pit to a place um, where you're walking with and meeting with God. Um, to believe that God can provide out of financial crisis, 
to believe that God can provide in a place where you feel you have no direction and you don't know where to turn and you're thinking, God, where should my life be going at the moment? I feel God saying to you, yes, there is, um, there is God in this and he has something to say to you today. Um, so the second group of people is just to, to really impart some faith today um, so that you can take God at face value and dare to believe him for what his word promises and dare to believe that he can change and transform. The third group of people um, that I felt God speaking to today about walking more in the spirit um, was a group of people who hear God, but it doesn't go that much further. A group of people that, uh, even in a corporate setting like this, you feel God saying things to you, you might feel God um, bringing a word that you, know, you might bring to the, to the body to encourage them, you might have songs to bring, you might have a prayer to pray out, and yet it always just stays there. It stays as a quiet little voice um, that never quite makes it out. And I felt God saying today that he really wanted to encourage you um, to really press forward in that and to, for it to not remain a small quiet voice, but that actually he's called you to be a proclaimer of the gospel and a proclaimer of the joy of Jesus. And, um, and so those people who sit quite normally you know, in, in, in the congregation and uh, have things bubbling away but just never have quite pushed themselves to bring them or to share them, then my plea with you today is to, is to do something about it and step out and to listen to what God is saying. Um, I've really felt God saying he wanted to, to comfort and confirm to people that they are hearing his voice, and yet they're still just keeping it very much um, within themselves. Um, so that was a third group of people. The last group... Um, that I felt God wanting to talk to about was for those who um, are walking with God on a Sunday between the hours of 3.30 and 5.30 or whenever your service might be, but your lives actually look very different when you're in the workplace or at uni or wherever you might be. And there's very much a parallel life going on here. And God's plea to you is to see more of God in your lives you must bring these two things together. Um, there's got to be a, a, a consistency. There's got to be a reality of your walk with Christ. And there's got to be a genuineness of heart. And uh, I felt God saying that there were people here living very much double lives. Um, living like secret, secret Christian agents that they would come here and, uh, and raise their hands and sing out. And yet they know in the heart of hearts that their lives just don't really represent what they want it to be. And rather than uh, criticising that, I felt God saying that he just really wanted to speak to you today, to say uh, he desperately wants um, your light not to be under a bushel, but to shine for all to see, and for your light really to shine in the darkness. And so if you're someone here who feels that there's a bit of a discrepancy between your life on a Sunday, or once you're among believers, and your life when you're out in the world, then uh, the plea to you is to to walk with the Spirit wherever you are and not just in the church. So four groups of people. One, those that know him but their lives have become a bit stagnant. Second group, those that would like the faith to dare to believe God for his promises. Third group, those that hear him but are questioning, do I hear him? And the fourth group, those that are living a bit of an inconsistent life and they're just wishing that it would be different Um, To those people here, 
I feel God saying that there's something in this for you to see God. And this, is, this passage says, those who are pure in heart will see God. And it's an amazing promise. Um, and as with some of these Beatitudes, part of it is for the now, and part of it is um, for later. But I feel that there's a big part of seeing God for now that God wants to talk to people about. So what does seeing God mean? This, these Beatitudes are all about the joy of being a spirit-filled believer. There should be some joy in living this life that Jesus is talking about. And the real joy here is of seeing God. Seeing God in our lives, seeing God in the lives of those around us, and seeing him at work. And um, I think there's degrees to which we see God. There's an initial time when we see God, and when we first hear about him, we first hear the good news of the gospel and our eyes are open to see him. And I remember for myself, I, I became a Christian when I was 20. And uh, I've been brought up in a um, church family, a Church of England family. My, both my parents were Sunday school teachers and I've been to church all of my life. And I knew um, all about God and I knew what Jesus had done and I thought I knew the Bible. Um, and yet there came a point at, at university when suddenly someone started to speak uh, to me about Jesus in a very, very different way, um, a way that was real, a way that was passionate, and, it, and he was just full of excitement. And I knew then that there was something very different about my Jesus and his Jesus, very, very different. And um, when I gave my life to Christ, my eyes truly were opened, and I can thoroughly say I saw God. I thought I'd seen him, but it was as if my eyes were opened and the world looked different from then on. Um, the way that I saw things, the way that I understood myself, the way that the whole picture formed and connected um, was very, very different. And so there's definitely a time that you see God when your eyes have been opened for the first time and it is a glorious moment when you suddenly realise, wow, Jesus is real, he really did die for me and he has died so that I might know God here and now and know my Saviour. And, um, and so if there's any of you here today that don't know that joy, that can't say blessed are those that know Jesus for the first time, then uh, please let me know and I shall introduce you to him personally um, because he is someone who can open your eyes um, and bring such joy and transformation to your lives that you would not believe it. So we see God and those of you that are believers here can say that they saw God. I'm sure you've all got that moment where suddenly, like the Matrix, things look different, you're connected in, and you understand the world, you understand more about yourself and the purpose, you realise that this guy Jesus was very much real and is very much alive today, and you see God. Then I think there's a continual seeing of God. So as a, as a believer, which I'm assuming most of you are here today, that there's a continual sense of seeing God. So we see him for the first time and it's all amazing, but then I think that there should be a progressiveness of seeing God in our lives as well, a progressiveness of knowing Jesus more and more, of being surer and surer about his voice and of seeing um, God established in our lives. I think there's probably specific times when we see God, but then also there should be this as believers, as I, th as I think Paul is imploring people to do, to continuously see a, a transformation of our heart and will and mind and intellect so that we see and allow more of more of God as we're saying yes to him and no to ourselves. The proportions of seeing God in our lives will increase directly. The more we say yes, the more we find we see God. Um, there are moments when we can absolutely say that was God. And I know for my life and for my family's life, there are times when we can say absolutely God has acted miraculously, where he has done something amazingly. Um, I can see that in my 
business where I've had times where God has just spoken to me, dropped names of businesses into my heart and I've called them up and I've won work and it's just bypassed all the laws of uh, marketing and sales. Um, there's one amazing time I can think of um, not, not too long after I became a believer where I knew I'd seen God. Um, those of you may realise that I'm follically challenged. I, I um, shave my hair with clippers every day and um, one time when I was at uni, I'd, I'd been a believer about a year and um, I was just cutting my hair in the sink and I was, just, I was quite new to you know, being a Christian and understanding what God was all about and I just was getting a bit in a state of confusion really. I started asking myself all sorts of questions about Jesus and is it real or not and I, I was getting a bit of a muddle and as I looked down in the sink where all my hair had fallen in the sink, three letters were written, A-S-K, in letters in hair and all the other hair had gone away, like, a bit like iron filings, you know, when you put a magnet to it. And I just looked down and I was like, <laughs> I, I actually, this, sounds, this sound, makes me sound really old, but it was before cameras were on phones. <laughs> um, so I didn't, I didn't take a picture of it, I wish I had, but it was a defining moment for me when I suddenly looked down, I was, my mind was elsewhere, and I suddenly looked down and it just said, ask. And I just, and I just really felt God saying, just ask me, ask and you will receive. Ask me all these questions that you don't understand and I'll tell you. Ask me, seek me and you will find me. That is the promise that God is saying. And I believe that's the promise God's saying today. Seek me and you'll find me. And uh, I think there are very real circumstances that people might have today where you think, I need to see God. I need to see God in this because at the moment it just looks impossible. And at the moment I can't see the answer. At the moment I can't see how this is going to happen. And so absolutely seek God because you will find him. But also, I believe God is really encouraging us to seek him so that we might see more of him around. Um, As a church at the moment, we're looking at establishing gospel communities. We're looking at areas where we feel God is speaking for us to go out and uh, make his fame known. To make him known um, across this area that we find ourselves in, in north um, central London. Um, We're looking to see God. And today God is saying to us, seek him, choose him, walk in the spirit, and we will see God. This is what it's all about. It's about seeing God, not just for our lives, but actually seeing God for those around us. Seeing God in the gospel communities, on St Pancras Way, on Queen's Crescent, in the arts. And the fourth one is refugees and asylum seekers. Seeing God in all of these areas. And the more that individually our lives are walking closer and closer to him, the more that you're allowing God to show himself. And I really feel that God is saying, I want to show myself. I'm desperate to show myself more in your life. So please say yes to me and I'll be able to have more room to show myself. And then, so there's a, the first time we see God, there's a continual time that we see God. And then the last time um, that we see God, not the last time, but the, the third time that we see God is when we shall see him face to face. In 1 Corinthians, we're told that now we see God dimly as in a mirror, but then we shall see him face to face. And so now what we see of God is just a dim reflection of how amazing he is. So you might think that you've seen God now and are bowled over by how awesome and great he is, and yet you haven't seen anything. Because when we see him face to face, then you will see God. Revelation 21 gives us a really awesome and awe-inspiring, I think, picture of seeing God really face to face. Revelation 21 says this, 
Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And then I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. What an amazing picture. We will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for the words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. To the one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. Martin Lloyd-Joe says this, Surely this is the most amazing thing that has ever been said to man. That you and I, such as we are, pressed with all the problems and troubles of this modern world, are going to see him face to face. But if we grasp this, it would really revolutionise our lives. You and I are meant for the audience chamber of God. You and I are being prepared to enter in to the presence of the King of Kings. Do you believe it? Do you know it is true? Surely the moment we grasp this, everything else pales into significance. And whilst it's brilliant to have this picture of when Jesus returns and meeting with God face to face, I felt God just wanted to really press into us to say, there's more of him for now. There's more of seeing God in your lives right here, right now. And uh, it's not for lack of willing from God's part that you're not seeing it. I believe that God is saying he wants you to think about what does pure in heart look like for you. It's about being Christ-like in all that we do. It's about listening to God. It's about transforming or allowing our lives to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit and choosing God in our lives. It's about asking God, what do you think about this? How should I do this? It's about thinking, what would Jesus do? It's about looking in the Gospels and studying Jesus' life and knowing how he lived his so that we can think about how ours should be lived. Purity of heart is about having a single-mindedness for God, about being absolutely determined that your life is going to be for him, your desires are going to be for him, that your dreams, your ambitions, your finances, your families. Your hopes and your fears are going to revolve around Jesus. It really is a single-mindedness to set your face like flint for the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't make ourselves pure in heart, but Jesus has done this and he's offering it to us. By accepting him, he exchanges our heart. The challenge then to you is how much of Jesus are you allowing to permeate through? How much of Jesus is being seen by those around you? How much is Jesus is um, transforming your thought life? How much of Jesus is transforming the way that you live? And uh, today, he really wants us to conform to him and to be transformed to him rather than to the world around us. Because the promise is, if we do, then we'll see more of God. 
And uh, I think if there's ever an incentive, then that should be the best one. If you want to see more of God in your life, if you want to see more of God for those around you, seek him. It's a pretty straightforward formula. Those that are pure in heart will see God and you will be blessed because you'll be full of joy, full of life, full of the reality of Christ. And so I believe the call today is to really, um, as the psalmist prayed, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, God. It's to really um, seek God to spend time with him, to allow his Holy Spirit to transform our minds. Let him renew the way that we think. Let him renew the way that we make decisions. Let him renew the way that we talk to our friends. Let him renew the way that we read the Bible so that it comes alive to us. Let him renew our lives in their entirety. And there's more to see of God right here, right now. God wants to show himself. So for those of you that fall into any of those camps that I mentioned earlier, I believe that there's a response here that God is saying, um, that he wants you to say yes to him. He wants you to dare to believe him on his word. He wants you to dare to believe that he is Lord of all things. And actually, the thing that you're struggling with is no problem for him. And uh, he just wants your heart. God is about wanting hearts and lives. He doesn't really care about anything else, but he wants your heart. He wants you. He wants your affections. He wants your desires. He wants your will and your emotions. And the plea today is seek him. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And surely we want to see more of him. Band, if you'd like to come up, I'm just going to pray. And uh, the invitation is to find more of God.